0: of jesus christ it's what separates christianity from every other religion in the entire world you see you can go to all other religions you can find the leader you can find the tomb where he's buried but i tell you this morning there is no tomb that we can find where jesus was buried you know this morning they think that there was a tomb this garden tomb but they don't know for sure that's where he was because he's not there And praise God, we serve a risen Savior this morning. Hey church, that's why we come together every Sunday of the year, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the pinnacle, it is the major doctrine that we can never forget. As we study the Word of God, you will see there are passages that cover entire subjects. Like I'll give you an example this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Starts with charity charity, it begins with charity, ends with charity. Love. We call that the love chapter. It's all about love, how to love. And it explains to us that if you don't have love, this is it means nothing. Literally. If you don't do what you if you can give all your goods to feed the poor, you can do all these different things, but if there's not love behind it, it means nothing. And that chapter gives us all about love. We go to James chapter number three. In James chapter number 3, we see the tongue is mentioned. And wow, what a little member that boasteth of great things. The tongue can no man tame and is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And we can you curse out of it and can good things and bitter things come out of the sand? That whole chapter is about the tongue. 1 Corinthians 15 is not in the Gospels. Paul, this is a letter he wrote to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 15 is where I want you to turn this morning. But I would tell you this morning that this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, is about the glorious resurrection of Christ. It's what the entire chapter is about. And for a little bit of time this morning, that's what I want to talk on. You see, there are many things in this world. It's amazing to me that people have a hard time believing in Jesus. If Jesus was not who he says he was, and if Jesus was no big deal, then why are people still talking about him 2,000 years later? Why do people still hate him 2,000 years after he's died? Because he's different. He lives today. And you see, people have a hard time believing that, but you'll turn on the news and believe anything the news people tell you. You read it on the Internet, and you believe every word. You know, Benjamin Franklin said, I found this on the Internet, Benjamin Franklin said, you can't believe everything that's said on the Internet. And some of you might get that in a few minutes. But that's literally how bad it gets. Wikipedia says it, so I believe it. No, we as Christians today, we have a book that is proven true. And this book is what we base our faith on. One day in a newspaper, in a Christian, uh, this question and answer column, this Christian question and answer column, this was the question that was asked. Our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? The editor replied with this, Dear reader, beat your pastor with a cat of nine tails, 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the blistering sun for six hours. Run a spear through his heart. Embalm him. Put him in an airless tomb for 72 hours and see what happens. He did not just swoon. He died. And three days later, he rose again. Amen. Sacrifice had to die. That, their, sin has a penalty death. Jesus had to die. He had to raise again. He had to do those things. And that's our Savior. There are many in this world that deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many liberal thinkers call it foolishness to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But may I just tell you this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is of vital, vital importance to us today. In fact, there is one doctrine, one belief that sets Christianity apart, and it's Jesus Christ and his resurrection. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then we're no better off than anybody else this morning. Hey, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, why come to church? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, my preaching this morning is vain. And a lot of people do preach vain messages. You need to lift up Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection to make a good message. Hey, we'll read these verses this morning. Go with me, chapter 15 here. Look at verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. What is the gospel? Are you ready? Look at verse number 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? That Jesus died for our sins... He was buried and rose again three days later. That is the good news of the gospel. That is the only gospel. There is no other gospel. Pure, plain, and simple. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again three days later. That's the gospel. We look at verse number 5. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remaineth unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Paul wrote this. Paul, Jesus had already ascended back into heaven. Paul has been persecuting the church. His name was Saul. It was changed to Paul, but Saul's persecuting the church. And on Damascus Road, as he's going to persecute more Christians, he sees Jesus. And he says here, Jesus, he died, he was buried, he rose again. Peter saw him. The others saw him. Over 500 people those 40 days before his ascension saw him. I saw him. That's what Paul's saying. We look at verse number 9, For I am the least of the apostles, not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it be I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some of you among you that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is vain. Vain means empty, meaningless, worthless. Yea, we are all found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised up not, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep, hey, all your loved ones that have fallen asleep, that have passed on, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then you're never going to see them again. Hey, our preaching is vain. Jesus, the life he lived, was a lie, his death was meaningless. All of those things, if the resurrection did not happen. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If all we had was this life and nothing else because Jesus did not rise from the dead, we should be pitied. There's no point to life. But look at verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful right there. A little bit later, we're going to go deeper into this passage of Scripture. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll dive in this morning. Father, we need you this morning. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for being our God for being in control of all things. I pray you bless the message this morning. I pray that if there's someone here this morning that does not know you as their Savior, that today would be the day of their glorious salvation, that they would see the truth of your word, that you would convict the heart this morning and bring them to your gospel today. Bless each listener, encourage our hearts, help us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he'd be guilty of deception. He claimed over and over again in his life. And John, can I grab one of those, one of those notes there so I can follow along as I go? Because uh, my notes and, my, and the outlines you get are just a little bit different. So I wanted that there just so we can keep up with things. When we look at this this morning, Jesus said over and over again he would rise again. They didn't get it. They thought the temple, they thought they were talking about the literal temple at the moment. He Said three days later, everything will be, look what it says. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And they thought he was talking about the temple where they all met. They didn't realize he was talking about himself. And if he didn't rise from the dead, then Jesus is a liar. Think about that this morning. Five times he said that he would get out of the tomb. Destroy the resurrection, and you, re- and you lower Jesus just to an ordinary man. Hey, destroy the resurrection, and you've destroyed the reason for our justification. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, who was delivered for all, our offenses and was raised again for our justification. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then our, we aren't justified. Think about that this morning. Over and over and over again. I'm so glad to know that for a fact that my Jesus rose again. It's not just some fairy tales. Not some cute little story that we look at during Easter time. But my Savior died. He rose again. And he lives forevermore, And he's coming again to receive us so that we can be with him. And what a day that's going to be. As we look at the message this morning, let's dive right in. Number one, we see the prophecy of his resurrection. The prophecy of his resurrection. Look at verse number 4 of our text. It says, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. The Bible, the Old Testament, has a lot of fulfillment, has a lot of prophecies made, that are fulfilled in the New Testament. We can see letter A, the resurrection was not an event, which people knew nothing about. It had been predicted before it took place. Over and over again in the Old Testament, it was predicted that the resurrection would happen. And I'm amazed that they couldn't figure this out. But probably I wouldn't have been able to figure it out either, so I can't be too hard on them. Think about this. Number one, the psalmist told us about it. Psalm 16, verse number 10, "...for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell..." Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Talking about Christ. Psalm 22 goes into even greater detail. I don't have the verse up on the screen. But my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Talks about that. Talks about how all of his bones will be out of place, but not one bone broken. This was prophesied about in the Old Testament. The psalmist told about it. The Savior told about it. Through his ministry, he brought up this fact that he would rise again, but they didn't get it. I wish that Sunday morning that as those ladies went to the tomb, that they were going because they thought, hey, he's going to be alive. No, they were going early in the morning before anybody else would be around. They were scared. There were guards there. They didn't know for sure how they were going to get into the tomb. They were not expecting him to be alive. But Jesus told Everyone in Matthew twelve verse thirty-eight through forty. Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He said right here what was going to take place. It also puts a little, it kind of debunks Good Friday, doesn't it? Three days and three nights you can't get from Friday. Just a little thought for you there this morning. I'm just glad people will celebrate the Lord anyway, and so if they want to do it on Friday, but you can't add three days and three nights, so just remember that. And so we see, it was told by Jesus, he said there, John 2, 9, we looked at this verse already, destroy this temple in three days, I will rise it up. Mark chapter 8 verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So Paul says in this passage here, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It was talked about in the Old Testament. Jesus himself talked about the fact that he would die, he would be buried, he would rise again letter B. We see the resurrection was pictured before it took place. Not only was it prophesied, but it was pictured. There are many Old Testament passages that picture the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his death. The first one that comes to mind was by Isaac. Now, Genesis chapter number 22, we don't have time to go through the entire chapter, but Isaac is Abraham's son. God told Abraham, take your son and go offer him on Mount Moriah. Let me just help you out this morning. Mount Moriah is believed to be the same place as Calvary. So what takes place is Abraham takes his son up to Calvary to offer him as a sacrifice. And while he's up there, God sees the faith of Abraham and he says, Hey, and what, did, what was Abraham's words? God will provide himself a sacrifice. And he did. But something that you'll note, when Abraham comes down from the mountain in Genesis 22, you do not hear again from Isaac till he comes to get his bride in chapter 24 about three days that pass before you hear about Isaac again. Picturing his death and resurrection. There's Jonah. We mentioned Jonah already. Poor Jonah. Three days and three nights in the, in the whale's belly. He would just listen to God. But by his disobedience, he showed what the resurrection and the, his death would look like. What he would suffer for us You see letter C this morning, the prediction of the resurrection, the fulfillment of it, proves that Jesus is worthy to be followed and worshipped. Hey, the the Old Testament talked about the fact it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. And then we see the fulfillment of it, it proves the fact that Jesus is worthy of our worship today. Number 1 today we see the prophecy of his resurrection. Number 2 we see the proof of his resurrection. We see the proof verse 5 through 8. Let's read those verses again. That he and that he was seen of Cephas Peter, then of the 12. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. The proof of the resurrection. Let me give you some proofs this morning. Letter A, there's the proof of human reasoning. say, the proof of human reasoning, what do you mean? Remember when the tomb was sealed? The high priest let Pilate know, They said they're going to take his body and he's going to live again. What did Rome do? They placed a seal on the tomb. You weren't supposed to break that seal. There were soldiers that were guarding that tomb that morning and during that time. Now, think about that one for a minute. Now, let's think about the disciples. When Jesus was taken there in the garden, what'd they do? They fled. They were fearful. When Peter was afar off, a little distance away, hey, are you with him? Oh, no. No, I don't know that guy. Hey, you, you kind of talk like one of his followers. Or you wanna, Oh, no, I don't know that man. Hey, that guy, he's one of those followers there. I don't blankety-blank know that guy. And I have nothing to do with him. They were fearful. They were shut up in the upper room. They were scared. Think about that with me this morning. If these guys are so scared, the Romans would not steal the body to prove that Jesus was alive or to make it even seem like it. And the disciples were too scared to do anything. You know what that tells me this morning? It had to be God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, verse number 20, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You see the proof? There's human reasoning. Just think about that. How could these fearful, weak disciples do anything? Rome's not going to do anything about it. It had to be God. her B. The proof of human testimony. Hey, it was not a hallucination. The guys weren't super tired and saw a mystic Jesus come to them. It wasn't, he did not swoon on the cross. He died on the cross. He rose again. There's human proof to it. The Bible says right here over 500 people saw Jesus live after his crucifixion. In the 40 days that he was here before he ascended. Over 500. Let me give you a thought. How many of you believe this morning that the Declaration of Independence was really signed? Would you raise your hand? I believe it was. How many signatures are on on the Declaration of Independence? 52. Could there have been a few more people in the room when it was done? I don't know. Let's just say, for numbers' sake... There were 75 people there when the Declaration of Independence was signed. We all believe it's a true document. Did you see them sign it? Have you watched the video of them all signing it? Have you gone to the web page that saw them sign it? No, we just there were they were all there. They all witnessed to the fact that it happened. Let's say 70 people saw the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Over five people saw jesus alive that's quite a testimony right there imagine in a court of law you need witnesses right okay we got 500 that will tell you that jesus is who he says he was and he rose again the proof of human testimony how powerful it is no one doubts the signing of the declaration of independence But many doubt the resurrection of Jesus when far more people saw Jesus than saw the Declaration of Independence. There's the proof of human nature. The proof of human nature. Think about this one. People aren't willing to give their lives for something they don't believe in. These scaredy cats, these guys... They were hidden in the upper room. When Jesus came, everything was shut up. They were scared. And may I just tell you, I'm not being hard on them because they are far better Christians than I'll ever be. So I would have been probably underground somewhere. Peter died on a cross upside down. Andrew's brother was severely scourged, tied by ropes on an X-shaped cross and hung for two days. And... Tradition tells us that those two days he was hanging on that cross, he was witnessing to people as they passed by, and they finally just cut his head off. James was beheaded with a sword. John was thrown in boiling oil and then banished to the island of Patmos. Philip was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten, flayed. Think about that one. Crucified head down. Thomas was lanced by idolatrous priests and burned in an oven. Matthew was axed to death. James, um, the one who wrote the book of James, Jesus' half-brother, was thrown down from the temple. Not lowered down, thrown down, and then beaten to death. Thaddeus was crucified. Simon was crucified. Matthias was stoned and beheaded. Paul was beheaded. If these guys... You tell me that these guys that were scared for their lives and went into hiding all of a sudden magically begin to not fear those things and go out and turn the world upside down with the gospel. And they believe so much in this cause, they gave their very lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me that their God's dead. Don't tell me that their Jesus didn't live again. Remember, Peter even said, I'm going to go fishing again. I'm going to go back to what I did. And oh, Jesus came and whoa, did that change Peter? And he preached the day of Pentecost and he preached, and people got saved, and all the disciples turned this world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me some scared, wimpy men did that if their Savior's dead. The proof of human nature. Next, the proof of common experience. What experience are you talking about The disciples were sad. The followers of Jesus were sad when he died. Wouldn't you be? Your hope. You know, these men poured their lives. They left everything to follow Jesus. And all their hope, all that they were, all they had given up, and he's dead on a cross. I can't imagine how they felt that day. but then three days later they're happy mary comes running back from the tomb excited hey he's alive the disciples see him thomas the only one that's not there except i see his hands where the nail prints aren't in his feet i won't believe and then jesus comes and he sees him my lord and my god it changed their lives Those disciples on the way, on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't even realize it was him. And didn't our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us? His word. Man, the proof of common experience. Next, the proof of changed lives. Oh, you want to know why he lives? You ask me how I know he lives? (laughs) Because he lives within my heart. Hey, the change, what he did in my life, what he's done in your life today. Don't tell me that Jesus is dead. Don't tell me that he doesn't live again because of what he's done in my life. What he's done in your life this morning. Hey, what he did in the life of those disciples. Wow, that's powerful right there. Think of all the Christians since that time that have been, that have been persecuted and been beaten and all these things. Don't tell me that Jesus is dead. The proof's in the pudding. And he lives today. And hey, your life, you know what he did for you. You know where you were headed. You know you were bound for hell. You know you had no hope. You know you were lost in your sins. But that one day when Jesus worked on your heart and you realized the fact that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins and all you gotta do is not about how good I am. It's not about going to church all the time. It's not about my baptism. It's about the fact that I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that he was buried and he rose again. That's what it's all about. For by grace are he saved through faith. And we're dead before we get saved so the faith and the grace, it's all gifts from him. Wow. Don't tell me he's dead because of the proof of changed lives. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, I'll oh, praise God for this. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. The moment you get saved, you are made new. only problem in this life is the old man is still hanging on. Long as you got, the Bible says later on, the same passage that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This corruptible can't do it. This mortal can't do it. Oh, but someday, this mortal is going to put on immortality. This corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And what a day that's going to be! But he made you a new creature. The proof. Of a changed life. How about this one? The proof of time. Proof of time. Dr. Harry Rimmer was lecturing in a certain place, and during the question and answer period, a young Jewish man stood up and said to Dr. Rimmer, What did Jesus Christ do that no one else ever did? Dr. Rimmer answered him this way, Sir, you are a Jew. Would you agree with me that the Romans crucified nearly 30,000 young Jewish men? The questioner answered in the affirmative, of course they did. Dr. Rimmer continued by saying, all right, I will name one of those who were crucified, and you name another. I'm going to name Jesus Christ. The student said, I can't name another. The doctor said, do you know why you cannot name another Jew out of those 30,000? Because time is a great leveler of names and events. Only one crucified Jew is known to men, and his name is Jesus. He's remembered today because he lives. Nobody hates a dead man. When people die, hate is forgotten. Yet Satan hates Jesus, the world hates Jesus, the the demons hate Jesus. Why attack a dead man? Because he's not dead. He's alive today. And time is a great proof of that. Letter G, you have the proof of the five senses. Proof of the five senses. Luke 24, verse 39 through 43. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. Now, something that's interesting. Do you know what the, the scripture tells us? This is just a little side thought for you this morning, this a little extra. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' glorified body, the one thing he doesn't say he has is blood. So one of the things we know about the glory, and we're going to be as he is. That's how we're going to be someday. And so as you read about how Jesus was after his resurrection, that's how we're going to be someday. Flesh and bones. Think about that. But anyways, we'll keep on going. And as ye see me have, and then it says, and when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. They could touch him. They could see him. He ate in front of them. There's proof in that. Thomas, I'm not going to believe unless I see. Here you go. Do you notice too that his glorified body has the nail-pierced hands, and nail-pierced feet still? He's going to have those for all eternity for us to see. To remember what he did for us. There's proof of the five senses. How about this one? The proof of scientific and archaeological evidence. We'll just say they say the garden tomb there in Jerusalem is where he was buried. Do you know they've excavated the area and there's no body that ever decomposed in that tomb? Yep. The man who wrote the book that I'm giving out today he set out to disprove it with scientific reasoning. Medical doctors. How did Jesus die? One of the things that I said, and I want you to read the book but one of the arguments he made to a doctor was, the Bible says that water and blood I mean blood and water came out when they pierced him with the spear. And anyone knows, doctors would know this, and this guy knew enough, that water comes out before blood, but the Bible says that blood and water, so it's a contradiction. And the man, the doctor they interviewed, said it doesn't take a Greek scholar to know that in Greek the most significant is mentioned first, not what happens first. That's why the blood was mentioned. You can go and look at ancient history of different places and look in their chronicles and things and see that there was a day when the earth was entirely dark. There's proof. But you don't need proof today you have the book without faith it's impossible to please him we see this morning number one the prophecy of the resurrection number two the proof of the resurrection and lastly and thirdly this morning the purpose of the resurrection what was the purpose for the resurrection i'm glad you asked letter a it activates the gospel it activates the gospel When you think about that, you see verse number 14 there says, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. A dead Savior can save no one. Think about that one. The gospel, you think about this, hasn't been preached until we were told of the death, burial, and resurrection. It's all about the death, burial, the resurrection. It's not just the death. You know, that song we sang, He Lives, and that preacher was listening to the radio, and the guy says, I don't care about his resurrection. That guy needs some help, because that's not a full gospel. The full gospel is his death, his burial, his resurrection. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And if you go to a church or you hear preachers that add anything to those three things, his death, burial, resurrection, and say it's gospel, it's time to quit listening to them. Because that's the gospel. Pure, plain, simple. What's the reason, To the purpose of the resurrection? It activates the gospel, letter B. It authenticates our faith. It authenticates our faith. You see, the resurrection says, we read verse 14 there, but look at verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. The resurrection says that what we believe has power. It gives us hope and brings us peace. It authenticates it. The fact that there's an empty tomb. Praise God for that today. Let us see it arranges our justification. Not only did he die as our sacrifice. But I read earlier in Romans chapter 4 verse 25 who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Hey, don't split up his death and burial resurrection from one another. They were all important. His death was important. His resurrection was important. Words like justification are important. If you come on Sunday nights, you can go through the book of Romans with me and you'll understand what that has to do with everything. Nice little plug there, right? Letter D. It anticipates our future. Look at verse 22 and 23. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. Jesus is our guarantee. Because he lives, we say it early, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I'm so glad today to know that Christ is alive. I love how when they came to the tomb in Matthew 28, verse number 6, he's not here, he's risen as he said. Praise God today that we serve a risen Savior. And why was that stone rolled away? Not because Jesus couldn't come out, he came into a room that was all closed up. The stone was rolled away so that they could see inside that he was gone. And praise God today that because he lives, we can live. Because he lives, we can have everlasting life. Because he lives, life itself is worth living today. And because he lives, I want to tell everyone I know about how wonderful my Savior is. Father, we thank you for the.